You can kick your fancy ales, you can drink them by the flagon, but the only food for the brave and true comes from the green dragon. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of the Green Dragon Podcast. I'm your host, Matt, and I have here with me today, Kylie. I thought you were going to go with David first. That's okay. We're, we're, we can roll with this. Do we the intro again. Keep going. Keep going. We've got this. Come on. We remember how to podcast, and we have Jeremy as well up the back. Hello, Matt. I'm so happy to be at my house. It's been such a, a long time since we've seen each other. I've never been in this room before. I've never recorded a podcast here. So don't tell him about what's in the closet. No, don't tell me. It's I, just audio I, gear. For, it's, for, it's more interesting if I don't know. For those listening at home on our, I can't remember how long ago it was, episode, we revealed how close we were to Mordor. Turns out Mordor was listening. That was a mistake. We've had to move and this is our new place. We're not telling you where it is. And Interestingly, actually, we have moved closer to Mordor. You're not meant to tell them that. The anyway, eye, the eye anyway is greetings. Watching. I am here. So it is wonderful being back here. It's great to be able to, uh, to record because we're all friends here and it's great to catch up as well. And uh, I guess we'll talk a little bit about uh, what we've been doing over our break period. So Kylie, do you want to start off with a little bit about uh, what you've been up to? Um, yeah. So all I've been doing is working. Just working. No hobby at all. Very little hobby. I think I've painted seven of Thorin's company and that's it. Sounds like a living nightmare. That's more Thorin's company than I've painted. So you're still doing well. That is true. So Even more than I've painted in I that period I've, of time. I think I've painted Bilbo, Dwalin, Balin, Gandalf. I can't remember who else I painted. Is this the dwarf oh, or the champion I've of Erebor? As well. So that's, that's what I've painted so far. Now, hold on, hold on. I know for a fact here, and I know for a fact because I've been stalking you on Facebook, that you have indeed entered armies on parade. Yeah, but I entered it with an old army. Oh, shit, don't say that. It's still something that you did, though, in that period of time. You well, definitely did not, that. Not, not so much as did as got conned into doing it under pain of death. So that's it was a, somebody else's fault. Yes. Cool. 100% someone else's fault. Yep. Very good. Shout out to Jenny at Games Workshop Channel. <laughs> Thank you, Jenny, she twisted for getting Kylie to do something. Yeah, well done, Jenny. <laughs> that was really good. Good effort. I have been moving house and doing all my normal stuff, all the stuff with the kids and all the stuff with the production. So this is probably why the main reason we've been away for a little while. Uh, we've got this new recording studio at the moment. I'm very excited about it, very happy about it. But in the meantime... I managed to throw together an, a no-plastic Moria Goblin army for a tournament run by Henry Kerr, a little 500-point tournament, so I was very proud of that. It didn't perform particularly well, but it was fun to have all metal and then some resin models as well in there. So that's been my Lord of the Rings for that. I played the, the odd scenario here and there, but not really nearly as, enough as, as much as I would like to, so I'm looking forward to getting back into it. Yeah, I think that's definitely true for all of us. We'd all have to be playing a few more games. And we've all made a Moria army, haven't we? Nope. <laughs> no plastics. What was your model count for that, by the way? It was in the 30s, I think. I had I had two Dwellers in the Dark. I had two Bat Swarms taking up like 200-odd points. And then I think I had just you under had three Warbands. You had didn't you? I had six Prowlers. Six, I thought you had more than six Prowlers. No, I had, I had two of each of the different weapon types. So I used some of the unreleased miniature prowlers, or whether they're called goblin sneaks or something. Goblin skirmishes, I believe. Goblin skirmishes. Sneaky with goblins bow. with bow. And I was really proud of how they came out. So they, they look good. They actually performed really well, those prowlers. I'm definitely putting more in next time. I'll put the 15 in next time. Don't worry. Okay. Um, in the last, uh, I can't remember quite how long ago it was, there was minimized 2016. 
good fun tournament. I had some like six people show up and I decided to put them all on the same table for the last mission. So it was a three on three game and I think they had fun. I certainly did. I was part of that tournament and it was very enjoyable to have every single player on the same table all talking smack throughout the entire game. It was fantastic. And what was actually funny about that game was the team dynamics actually let the dwarf players down fairly solidly because they were all hoping somebody else would take all the risks while they played massively defensively. So it allowed the goblin scribe to pretty much just build up an impossibly large number of goblins and then swamp them. Yeah, the goblin scribe basically just won it for one side and then everyone else on the other side just sat back in their little camps trying to avoid getting completely destroyed. Yeah, if you see that goblin scribe, scribe you've got to go get him. You can't just be passive That's about right. it. because. No. But the, the idea is each one of them had two allies. So they're like, I'll go defensive and my two allies can deal with this. <laughs> yes, no guts, no glory, isn't it? So the person who has to go and take charge of the game will probably be on the winning side, but they'll end up losing personally. I like that. That's yes. kind of cool. Um, other than that, I won a t-shirt writing a scenario about chariots. So that will hopefully arrive in the mail from some far-flung place at some stage. Yeah, good on you. Well done, David. Very nice. But yes. So that was the scenario for 16 chariots run by the group with a really long name. Matt, Spilf- can you pronounce them? Is it Spilfornian? I think something like that. You're our expert on pronunciation. That, I don't know if I'm talking about the right thing, though. Yeah, it's that group. That but group? Yeah. I. Okay, I'll... You should try. have added the fellowship on the end. Since. So, yeah, I'll try not to embarrass myself. Spilfornian, <laughs> the fellowship, I think. Better than I can do, so yeah. I, that's probably not right at all. Keep in mind that's being said with Australian accent, so that's, right. that's yeah, how we true. pronounce it. Yeah. Uh, any difference was lost in translation. Other than that, I've been playing various other games. I've been painting all sorts of weird things. Other ga- There are other games? Yes. Um, I didn't know there were any other games. That's I was at an op shop the other day, and I saw a box of Hero Quest with an expansion. And I'm like, I already have a box. So with two boxes, I'll have enough you know, minions to cover the world in a third darkness. So I'm planning on painting that up at some stage. This is such a David thing to do. You know, like I've been playing a new game. It's one that was been out like 30 years ago and I got it from an op shop. That and, is classic David. And I'm slowly going to convert this podcast into talking entirely about that for the rest of the time. Yes. Is that it, David? So if you want to hear HeroQuest podcast, I'm, I'm ready. Here, send us a message if you want to hear more about HeroQuest and less about Lord of the Rings. Go ahead. So get out your VHS tapes and then watch the, our video cast on it. While, while I was there, uh, they had the extended Return of the King on VHS for 50 cents. Oh, and I couldn't turn around. it down. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> That's amazing. And by the way, it fits on one cassette. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How much of a, of a beta, beta max does it fit on? <laughs> uh, anyway, moving along. Mo- moving right along. Um, I'm I, laughing so hard right now. <laughs> Matt, okay. go on. Pause, yeah, okay, okay. Pause so, for laughter, so, then moving along. Indeed. So uh, what I've been up to is uh, not a heck of a lot. I've entered several tournaments. I think we've had Minimize. Uh, there was the the one that Henry ran that uh, Jeremy was talking about as well. Uh, I think I came second at Minimize. Is that right, David? I'd have to check my I'm terms pro- of I'm, wisdom. But there's sounds, no one here to claim I came you second. Didn't. I definitely came second. Okay. So nice. Silver medal. Nobody liked me at that tournament. I was, I was far too rowdy. It was great. <laughs> I've never actually relaxed so much at a tournament because literally six well, six plus me there, including yourself, David. So it, it was one of those cases where you just knew you could get away with just about anything. So everyone was just sort of mucking around. It was, it was a lot of fun, actually. But anyway, I've just been running Harrod all year. I did say it was the year of Harrod. And unfortunately, a tournament that was planned for next month, 
Uh, in fact, it, it was planned for only two weeks from now. Unfortunately, was cancelled. Uh, that was War Torn, which was going to be held in Melbourne. But, yep, uh, unfortunately, there wasn't enough support for it. So I was redoing my Harrod army. I was not happy at all with the bases. You might have seen them. I'm, I'm sure I've posted pictures. I was going to redo them with filler, just uh, making a textured base with that, and then sort of color it sand-colored. Uh, that's stalled now because I'm not so sure if I'm, I'm happy with it, and also, also the tournament was cancelled. So, I, you know, I'll, I'll think about it. I'll post some pictures when I get onto it. Definitely right, making a Moomark. Definitely, I've put it together already. <laughs> it's on the table. It's ready to be painted. It's undercoated. It's ready to go. I'll have that for you shortly, and I'll post some pictures. Which upgrades? Ooh, that is the question. Initially, I was thinking, all right, just the Beastmaster. Oh, sorry, have to have the Tusk Weapons. Yes, the you Tusk have Weapons to have the tusk are weapon. an auto That's, yeah, you, you can't go, go to a battle without Tusk Weapons on your Moomark. That's a given. So, Tusk Weapons, Mahood Beastmaster for, essentially for that extra might point and also slightly harder to take out, but, yep. And the only other one that really piqued my interest, perhaps rocks, but mostly Sigils of Defiance. Yes, um... From past experience, I'd say don't leave home without those sigils. Mm. Otherwise, the first Ringwraith, the first Wizard, the first anybody with a Compel or a Transfix who wanders past goes, ooh, free Moomark. Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I was considering just going like really massively hoarding it up and getting a lot of dudes on the table. But yeah, no, I think you're right. I think at the end of the day, I'd probably go with the sigils, yeah. It's one of the cheaper upgrades as well. And it gives yep. you a chance to put some cool seagulls on Yeah, it. I think it's only 20 points. Yeah. And every now and then you roll a six on the yeah, seagull save. And, yeah, free wound. Nice. Now, so, Matt, yeah. I was also putting together my Moomak, painting it up. Because I, as some of you know, I was also being doing up a Mahood army. But I stopped doing mine because you said you were going to take this to this tournament. And now that it's not running, I am issuing you a challenge. Ooh, ooh, challenge time. A Moomak off. All right. I already accept, but please tell me what it is. Okay, so we both put together our Moomaks. Yes. Paint them up however we want with our upgrades. We Perfect. both post pictures to the to the page. Ooh. Whoever gets the most likes wins, and the loser has to succumb to a punishment from the cast. Oh, I love it. Oh, it sounds great. Wow, I like this challenge of punishment idea. We should yeah. use it on other podcasts that I'm in. <laughs> That's totally not what I Is that stole completely from... stolen from another podcast? Yeah, it's totally Fantastic. stolen from the Plagiarization, that's what we do here at the Green Dragon. Fantastic. I love this challenge idea. What are you thinking in terms of punishment? What is that going to be? I think we wait wait till oh, the if results we, are in. If we Will come it involve up with public a humiliation? Sort of... Most likely, most definitely. We can come Wonderful. up with a few ideas just as motivation of things it could be. Ooh, Such as, ooh. I like the idea of you having to podcast with both hands tied behind your back. That doesn't really work very that well doesn't... in audio. Uh, so basically what we're talking about is I'm on a, another podcast called The Red Jokers, a faux show, which is about a different game, which we don't really talk about here, Malifaux. And what we do is challenge each other at the end of each episode to do something. It doesn't really work with a Green Dragon format because we're a little bit all over the place and different topics and we want to keep them on topic a little bit more than that show. But... Basically, we do some sort of punishment if someone fails. People very rarely fail. Like that, that's there's a lot of pride involved, Matt. So you don't want to let the team down. But yeah. this we've actually set it up so someone has to fail because there can only be one winner. Oh yeah. So we we'll have either another episode where you have to do something slightly embarrassing on the actual episode, or we'll do it in a public venue. So at one of our tournaments or something like that, and put a little video up. Oh, I like it. Yep. It, yeah, it's game related. Don't worry lose. about that. That's it's it. game related. Something to do with Clash. We could definitely do something at Clash. Yes. 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 
Definitely. Okay, that, that's yes. good. Done. Challenge done. Challenge <laughs> okay. accepted. Oh, wait, wait, wait. What's the deadline for this Moomuk painting job? I'm pretty busy at the moment. So, so am I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very busy. You're are not you, pulling. No time at are all. you pulling 40 hour weeks? I am pulling 40 hours at my desk watching YouTube. Yes. Yep. 40 okay. hour weeks. So okay. I'm so thinking... I'm going to set the deadline. I'm going to set the deadline because I don't think you two are arguing over how busy you are. It makes any sense whatsoever. Very good. The due date is going to be the 1st of December. Yeah, I can live it. It must be okay. up by the 1st of December. Otherwise, you count as having zero likes for the purpose of the competition. Okay. Okay. Now, okay. Just Ast- to clarify. Australian to clarify. Eastern Standard Daylight Savings Time. <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy. Also, just... Okay. So, we have to paint the Moomuk, the Howder, the Crew. Yes. So, yes. One, one of the chieftains, either a Beastmaster or the Harad dude on top, and okay. a full assignment of 12 crew. Okay. Okay. Yep. Of, right. of something that can be crew. Yes. Fantastic. Okay. I, I can deal with this. Yep. Yes. So I've already got the crew painted, so I'm ahead. I'm ahead. I'm winning. So do yeah, I. Yeah, but people don't like things as much as they've seen before. Watch out for that. You might have to like, repaint the whole no lot. One's, no, no, no one's seen these. Not the bases, anyway. No one's, no one's seen these bases ever in the history trolls. of the world. Okay, cool. Well, I what? like this. No, wait. Half trolls? What? No. Oh, yeah. They can go on a Moomac. <sighs> Right, so I think we've uh, discussed a little bit about what each of us has done over the last uh, month period. What are we What are we planning on getting up to? I mean, obviously, Kylie and I will now have this challenge to go ahead with, but uh, David and Jeremy, what, what are you planning? At the moment, I'm between projects, Lord of the Rings-wise, so I'm just rummaging through boxes of guys waiting for inspiration to strike. So I'll let you know when inspiration <laughs> strikes. What a boring answer, David. That's terrible. That's, like, what that's are you really doing? Cool. You've, caught me, you've caught me between projects. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> so for those who have been living under a very well-furbished rock like myself, there's new releases. We've just hit Four Jaws release them to Australia Wait, as well. So the correct answer is I'm going to go. I'm going to go on the Four Jaws website. I'm going to buy some Iron Hills Dwarves. I'm going to paint them up. I'm going to put them on the table while the experimental rules still exist. And then I'm going to win some games with them perhaps. I'm not so worried about winning the games, but I'm definitely going to order these new models. I've been looking forward to them. I love the the casting techniques for the Forge World. I love how they put their resin together. I think we're going to get some really detailed models. I like the fact that you get charged the same worldwide. I know their post is a little bit of a ripoff if you don't get to the free point, but I love that they're fair on Australians and don't don't charge us extra just because they don't like our race. It feels like, is this the first time it's happened that they've really sort of leveled the prices out worldwide? Well, no, that's always been the case with the Forge World ones. Right, so, okay. Do, yeah. They just the only other thing they've had for Lord of the Rings in the past was the Weathertop, and yep. that was years and years ago, and that was quite quite pricey. So it's good that we're getting some new models there. I'm looking forward to getting a steady trickle of new models, and they look fantastic. So we'll get new books, new scenarios coming out. I'm very very excited, very. Yeah, and I think we can urge everybody to to get onto it. This is the best way. This is the time. Support yeah. the hobby. Buy these models. Oh, and we're going to get more stuff. Don't support the hobby. It doesn't need support. Just support yourself and get the models. <laughs> they're nice models, but they're dwarves. So you'll be playing against the dwarves. Yes. So I shall meet them in battle nonetheless. Yeah, they're not at the op shop yet, David. Don't worry. Kylie's sad. Kylie don't have money to buy new stuff. Oh, no. Kylie disappointed. But you're still going to do it anyway. I know <laughs> 
Probably. I know I'm going to buy something. Probably not. Not having not money soon, is future but... Kylie's problem. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm definitely going to. I know that uh, some Gundabad stuff is going to be coming out before the end of the year, or that's my understanding at least. I don't know it for sure, but uh, that's stuff that I'm definitely interested in. Definitely interested in picking some of that up. Some of the big berserker orc things, whatever they are. Bog's bodyguard. I are they? Yeah. Is that what they are? I think they are because they were they were in the book, the the actual Hobbit book. They talked yeah, about Bog's yeah. bodyguard with the Forge World. They they actually show you the models a long time before they release it. Potentially, they're not afraid to give previews. So unlike the Games Workshop proper, where basically it's surprise, new models coming out next week. Forge World tends to give a bit of a lead time. So. To say that they should be coming out at the end of the year, it actually could change quite a bit. There's there's not really that sort of rigid schedule, so it may or may not be the case. So we might have seen the models. They might come out in, I don't know, a few months' time, or they might come out next week. We don't really know. I think we, we have seen some of these already. Is that right? I think yeah. we've seen some of the Gundabad not things. Not personally, but... But for, for seen some good the, on the website though. Yeah, we have seen we have seen some previewed, but yeah. keep in mind that with some of their other ranges, like the Horus Heresy ones, sometimes you get a preview, sometimes you get a work in progress preview, sometimes you get one, and then it's it's four months, five months before they actually release it, because sometimes they have casting issues where they cast it first time and it doesn't quite work out the way they wanted or whatever. So there can be a delay. We hope it's out soon. Mm, and sometimes you get a Forge World leak video where a guy comes out of a bin with a fully painted model. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah, that happened. Oh, there you go. With the Horus Heresy stuff. Okay, so we asked in earlier today if you had any questions and we got a few responses. Okay, we had a question from Reese. What are your thoughts on mono army bonus rules and what sort of bonuses are you hoping to see? Uh, he says, sorry if you guys went through this already. Haven't been keeping up with the podcast as much as I'd like. You and us both, Reese. So, mono army bonus rules. I, I think it's a really great concept. I think it really adds a lot to potential themed lists because that's what everyone likes to see. That's what we got into this game for is for the story and for the setting. And I'd really love to see a thing across lists that really gives you a very good reason to take a pure list, a, a themed list. Well, my first thoughts is that we have had a taste of this with things like the Serpent Sting with the Grey Company. So what what it does is, yes, it gives you the theme list. It gives you the encouragement. It gives you the reward. But my also, my second thought is the Serpent Sting and the Grey Company, these are lists that people look at and they go, oh, I hate the Serpent Sting or I hate the Grey Company. So depending on what these bonuses are, it could come back and bite us. But I love the concept. I'm going to wait until I actually look at the nuts and bolts before I decide yes or no. Personally, I think it's a fantastic idea and would take credit for it if I could. Look, it, it's great that potentially someone who's looking at the list and saying, I need to get to maximize my points. I need to get the best options. I need to put the most powerful list on the table in order to win the games. I'm just going to take the most undercosted troops and spam it out. They have a reason to look at these theme lists and go, wow, this theme looks really good and put that on the table, which potentially can add to the enjoyment of the other players as well. So I'm all for it. Like anything, as David said, it could be done badly, but I'm not going to worry about it at this point because I haven't seen it, so I don't know if it's done badly. I'm excited to see theme lists on the table. We, we're lucky. We see theme lists all the time. It's probably not going to affect us that much. In fact, it's probably going to give, particularly you and me, Jeremy, a bit more of a boost in some of our games. We, 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 we might, take theme lists We might actually be better players. That would be good. So I'm a big fan. We may, we may actually improve because of this rule. Let's see it happen. No, I, I think it's fantastic. I think this rule is what needed to come into the game a long time ago. I'm not sure about the other people at the table, but I kind of get sick of, you know, coming across that 
you know, Army of the Dead Army with Wood Elf Spear support with the Galadrim Pikes behind that and then, you know, Urk and Bran kicking around the list because courage is that much of a thing. So, yeah, I think it's a really good thing to do. At the same time, though, we don't see that too often. Like, there might be one or two at a tournament, but with the number of people there, it's not sort of an everyday problem. Yeah, that's true. I, it's still something I'd like to see discouraged anyway. Just who are you playing? I, I like, yeah, who are you I playing? I don't know. I, I, like, I hear about these I, I, lists. I, I run just... into them all the time. You must be on higher tables or something, because I, I don't see well, that. Yeah, oh, generally I am. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, if we can discourage the these time. armies, it would be a good thing, right? Definitely. Yes, I think it would be. Now, are, do we have any ideas of what we might actually see? What kind of, uh, you know, list-wide no bonuses? Clue. There are so many possibilities for mm. every list. Like, there's so much stuff you could do with, like, cavalry for Rohan, woodland stuff for, like, I don't know, like, Arnor or Athelion. Like, there's heaps of options you can do here. Be it, is, there a, is there, though, a particular list? Now, okay, my first thought is Dunland. What could they give Dunland that could really make them, you know, uh, pop up to a top table? <laughs> Some that's if they separate Dunland from that, Isengard. That's not saying that they're not already on the top tables. <laughs> Shameless plug for a previous cast. Please go check that out. But uh, is there anything that you could give them list-wide, buff as a pure list? What do they get? I would like some Corsair Reavers in my Dunland list. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So ab- <laughs> Dunland's ability, add whatever you want, and they, their heroes can lead any troop type. <laughs> no, no. I, I talked about this on my the other episode we did. Basically, I think that the... The Dunland warriors should be able to use their two-handed axes. Just the the warriors of Dunland, the uh, the basic troop types. Wildmen, that's the ones. The wildmen should be able to use their two-handed axes as spears as well, like the halberd rules. I think that would be that would be a buff that I would like because you you don't have the spears in that. And if you ally in orcs, yeah, you can have them. But so it's basically, a way to get that. what you're saying is instead of having the axe of Lost and Arch, you have the axe of Dunland. That's the one. That's the one. Mm, they're okay, they're okay. nice long models, and they got a point at the end. They could be used as spears if you had the models Most there. Most axes have a point at the end. Yeah, but not, not they're all huge poles. They're not all pointy points, right? That's correct. But look, Hellbeard's a specific kind of axe, so I okay. think... I think no, I, I like it. I like it. Okay. You okay. don't have to like it. So Dunlin gets spears somehow. That, that's, that's, my, that's my suggestion. Well, look, the problem with the Dunlin is you've got low fight across the board, and you've got you don't have really the ability to win the fights, and you have to be able to win fights to be able to have a chance, and that's that's the issue more than anything. So I know it makes a lot of lists generic, and I understand that. But if you've got low fight, low defense troops without spears, when when are you winning fights? Even goblins can spear support, and they don't even have spears. A fair point. Couple so so maybe even we take this another step further and say perhaps a pure Dunlin list gets some kind of uh, banner type bonus. Army wide, so it gets Imrahil. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so look, what that that could work. That could that could work. But I'm I'm thinking more bard. Plus yeah. one fight as well yeah. would be nice. Yeah, no, th- anything that can could basically make them win just generic fights in combat would definitely help them out. But I'm I'm looking forward to see their profiles and that do change in the new edition as well because we're talking about bonuses for the current edition. Like, I'm I'm pretty sure profiles will be tweaked and we'll get different ones. Well, what so. was the rumor? The rumor was like 90 new profiles. No, not 90 new profiles, 90 profile changes is what I heard. No, that's very specific. Well, that's what I read on the uh, GBHL. So Okay, all right. Who well, knows? I, I have a feeling we're going to get another question about this later, so let's move on to the next one. Yes. Andrew asks, how many boxes of Iron Hills Dwarves are each of you buying? Two plus ten. Are they in boxes? Yes. I don't think they are. I think they'll probably be in little baggies. But my little plan... Ba- 
They are. That's how fortune really? comes. Yeah, you get you, like literally, you get them in a plastic bag. That's fantastic. So what? You don't have to cut them out or anything. Where, where do you think the uh, the um, plastic dealers come? Like that joke comes I from? I don't know. Yeah, basically, plastic it's, crack. Is that what yes, you're saying? Where do you think that joke came from? Hashtag PG podcast right here. Sorry, please continue, Jeremy. You, you, yeah, you, you often they might change that, but you often get them in just a, a, a Ziploc bag that says Forgeord on it. So it's okay, you, you don't you don't put them in boxes. They just don't have that same sort of volume of manufacturing. So manufacturing boxes could potentially slow them down. I'm getting Dane, of course, because fantastic. Initially, I'm getting 24 Warriors and a Ballista to start with. Um, and then I'm going to hold out and see if they have different troop types that come into it before I buy any more because I, I have a feeling if I end up buying 48 or something like that, then I look in the scenarios and I only need 24 or they have... Iron Hill Warrior veterans or something like that that are slightly different, I'm going to end up shoehorning myself into it. So I'm going to start with 24 is, I think, a safe number. I think I'll be okay with that. I'm torn here because I don't really play dwarves, but they look cool enough that I actually might start. So what was the question? We need How many number? boxes? How many boxes? Boxes. Or baggies? How many baggies? How many How many per box? How many sets of 12, 12 are you going to get? 12. Well, I tend to run... High numerical numbers, so I think I'd need thirty-six basic they warriors. Are, to they put are they are elites, though, David. They are elites. They're twelve points a pop. So thirty-six by twelve—that's yeah, it's doable. Yeah, like if you're going to do this, you got to do it right. Oh, absolutely, of course. Now, can they be led by the, uh, the champions of Erebor? Is that the thing? Yes. So oh, Thorin, cool. all of the. If Thorin's we ran company. the rules as they are today, yeah. and these, uh, it did say on the rules sheet that was released. Was it, no, no, no. It, it said experimental, but it also said official in every possible way. So if you bought them today and you, well, they're not out yet, are they? No, they're they are out. They, they are out. out. They're, they're officially we're, we're being sent out. Oh, that's yes. fantastic. So you bought some today, you painted them up, you could take them to a tournament and use those rules. Presumably the TO is not going to stop you from doing that because that'd be a bit rude, but you know. These are official rules that they've given us. So, um, yeah, how many boxes am I going to get? I'm not going to get any boxes just yet. I might save uh, save up a little bit and see what other units come out a bit later on. But I probably will eventually get some, I think. So, adopting the wait-and-see approach. That's exactly it, yeah. Plus, you also need to get your Mumak painted. Yeah, well, I'm not going to have time <laughs> to paint dwarves right now, am I? Now, my time. recommendation for the for the new stuff is, like always, if you want it, if this is something you like, get it get it soon. Um, just a little bit of a hint. The the actual the actual casting process they use on the forge old stuff is that the molds will get slightly worse over time. So if you get in early, you can sort of get slightly better casts, but also you're less likely for them to discontinue it because they have been known to discontinue things without much warning. Now they've gotten better at that now, but if something doesn't sell, if they put out Iron Hills veterans, for example, I'm just totally making this up and then they only sell two sets of them, they will probably discontinue them relatively quickly. So be aware that if you wanted those, get them early, you get potentially a better cast, potentially, and they're available. So be warned about that. And that well, look, we experienced that with the, the fine cast, and, and then after that, they're just plain resin that wasn't fine cast. But they if they didn't make enough in the print run and, and people weren't buying them, they had no reason to recast them. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great point. If something catches your eye, get it as soon as you can. You have been warned. Get it before you can, I think, is a safe financial investment. Yeah. Okay, on to the next question. Stephen asks, in the current Hobbit rules available models, are you better having more units in your army or more elite but smaller forces from a strictly gameplay perspective? 
both are as effective as the other. Yeah, they're just just different styles of play, really, aren't they? Mm. There's, you know, neither one is, you know, much better than the other. I think as a beginner, you probably want a larger model count, but as someone who's been playing for a long time, you could definitely go either way. I think it's a really solid idea to learn your troops first. So I would suggest starting with reasonably large model count armies because you get used to getting your troops in the right position. You've got some, it's a little bit forgiving and you're not as reliant on using that might in exactly the right point. And then once you get good at the game, the lower model count armies tend to tend to be quite powerful, but they take a little bit more experience to play. So what we're saying at the moment is within reason, they're both playable, but I do think the, lo- the larger armies are, are more forgiving and probably a bit more beginner-friendly. I think if you're taking an elite army, you have to have a plan. You've got to say, if I'm outnumbered three to one, what am I going to do about it? If As long as you have a plan and you can say, I'm going to put this character there, that character there, and I'm good, then yeah, go for it. But I, you need a plan. Yeah, absolutely. So Stephen asks a couple more questions. The next one he asks is, are there any unit types of more value in, in each of our experiences? Uh, his example is defense six or seven or eight warriors or heroes. So I think what he's talking about is a particular level of stat across your army or for a hero. So I guess for a long time, defense seven was probably where it was at. Defense seven was a really, really great defense to hit in an army. That's why you saw a lot of fountain court guard and you saw a lot of Khazad guard and that sort of thing. I think just having higher defense is always good. So... Mm. If you could go up to Defense 8, by all means, you would do so. But Defense 7 was sort of the highest achievable if you're willing to put your points into your elites and take, yes, your Fountain Guard and whatever. Mm. Of the, course, if the, you could go Defense 9, a lot of Dwarf armies are doing so. Yeah, the, the other thing, though, about that is that your regular heroes, or even your very, very good heroes, often didn't have much strength capability greater than 4. 4 was pretty standard. You didn't have the Bulgs and the Azogs before they came out. You had a lot of the heroes at that strength four. So Defense 7 was very hard to break through, even for regular heroes. I remember back in the day when Urukai captains went from strength four to strength five and how much of a big deal everyone was making about that because suddenly they could crack Dwarf Shield lines. Yeah, it made a massive difference. In terms of stats, I think the ones that have a little bit more value than the others in our current rule set, which is about to change potentially... I think fight and attacks are the ones that you really want to make sure you've got a good amount of because you need to win those fights. And if you have a look through my spreadsheets that I've done before, you'll see that the higher fight really does make it so you can win those fights. And then the way you win those fights is by throwing lots of dice. So throwing lots of dice, winning the fights. At this point in time, wounding is not as big an issue as it used to be. It used to be a big thing. It used to be that strength three could not get through defense six and, and you could just bounce for the whole time. But now with current the current piercing rules, and various other ways to increase your strength, rending, and other things. You well, can, just your ability to wound with fainting and... Yeah, fainting. And like... Yeah, special strikes, all kinds of things. You, you, wounding's no longer the issue it used to be. So my recommendation, I'm looking at when I'm trying to find the optimal combinations, high fight value, high attacks, which is why things like the Reavers always get a bit of a laugh with us. We talk about those. They are pretty much optimal at the moment because those stats, I think, are a little bit better than the others. I agree with Jeremy's sentiment there. Fight and attacks are pretty important, but as we've said a lot in this podcast, strategy and tactics come down to decide pretty much most games. And I think any stat that you're abusing or any particular 
array of troops that you are putting on the table if you abuse them and play to their best possible strength you can win with anything so that's my opinions on the matter yeah and it's, is, it's, i don't really have much of an opinion at the end of the day if you're if you're really looking at like making your points go as far as they can maximize and minimize it's as simple as that goblins are great because you don't care at all about the fight value you maximize your attacks and you forego the fight value for it that's one way of looking at it another way is just going as many attacks as you can when you have the higher fight value as well. So, you know, spamming elves is a good example of this. You can even put this into play during your games as well, like sneaking that one elf into a fight and then sticking all your hobbits in to take advantage of the one fight five you've got in the list. Or even with goblins, you can put a whole crap load of goblins into one model and then use a prowler or a bat swarm or a goblin captain or something to get that extra fight value boost, which in turn then boost the other models in your fight so you can do it in in gameplay as well it also depends a lot on what's in your opponent's list so if you're fighting dwarves some of them are strength three some of them are strength four the strength four ones will kill all of your gondorians on fives so send your archers to fight them leave your shieldmen to fight the strength three dwarves yeah so it's not all in the list building it's a lot of it is in how you use your list in the game so i mean that's always true. That's true of everything. That's how you win at this game. We should probably add that to, you know, the um, Green Dragon sort of sign-in We need a slogan. Music. We need a tagline in there somewhere. Traps win games, but also optimizing your placement of models to maximize their efficiency. That's it. That's, That's the it. One. That's the yes. new tagline for the Green Dragon podcast. Optimization Perfect. wins games. <laughs> we have more questions from Steven. He says, what tier heroes can you not do without any force? I think what he's talking about there is... The tiny little mini heroes, like say Damrod and Berigond, the captain level heroes, the three attack, three wound, three might, three bulky will, three heroes fate is guys. What we call them. B- bulky, okay, that's uh, news to me. I, I call them the game bulky and they're heroes. Bulky heroes. All right, good I know. call them bulky heroes. Okay, I like throwing my turns around. Okay, of course. What's the term? They're bulky. For, what about the step up once you get into those sort of? Yeah. What, what's the next one? The Uber very heroes? bulky. Ubers, the very Ubers. Bu- very so these are your Balrogs, your <laughs> Dark Lords, your dragons, your um, slightly bulkier. <laughs> reminds me. Reminds me of um. What is it? War of the Ring. Hard to kill. Very hard to kill. Ridiculously extremely hard, hard to kill. To kill. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! You missed extremely hard to kill. Extremely hard to kill. Ridiculously hard to kill was actually easier to kill than extremely hard to yeah, kill. Yeah. What's worse, the extreme or the ridiculous? That is the question. Extreme, because ridiculous kill crew. I think extremes are ridiculous anyway. Moving on. <laughs> this is where we need a laugh track in the show, we, I think. Like we that. didn't answer the question. Oh, sorry, okay. what was no, the question? Moved on. I'm going to answer the question. It, look, it, it, once again, we're going to caveat with it depends what you're playing. I think you need some mid-level heroes, the ones that are almost basic captain stats. I think you can design lists without them, but you're going to be hard-pressed to play. So I think whenever you're thinking about it, I would not miss that middle range hero, that one that can just do a little bit of everything and just, just if they don't get in the fight, it doesn't really matter. If they're just there for leadership at the end, it's okay. If they're in the front line, it's okay because they're strong enough to deal damage. If you need them for a heroic move or for a march or something, you can use them. I like that just standard captain profile and even better are the ones you get the bonus point of might. So something like a Faramir. Well, Faramir is even a little bit high. I'm thinking like the... Uh, Kyrian, Madril. Kyrian. Oh, okay. Lurz. Lurz. Shagra. Shagra. Yeah. Well, the captain profile, all the ones Arathon. are slightly better. Yeah. 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 yeah well, keep well, going if you like. More recently, uh, when I've been playing, I've been like with my captain. Okay, there's a Gilgalad there. 
all right, I'm going to use my 40, 40, 50 point captain to stand in front of him and just waste a few turns, make sure he doesn't actually kill anything. And, and that's a good enough use for him, to be honest. Oh, yeah. You pit your might against theirs, you'll run out first, but that's a Gilgalad. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. I've just Even spent... sometimes when you say, well, I'm just going to assume I'm going to lose all the fights. So I'll just stand there with my captain. I'm going to shield and I'm going to make it hard for you to kill me. I'll spend my might on fate. And then... Uh, hopefully I'll last a turn. Maybe I'll last two turns. If I last three turns, I'm ahead now because you haven't actually killed anything with Gilgalad. Yeah, solid, that's exactly mm. solid tactic. I'll actually hear one higher and to coin my previous term, bulky heroes. So something like your Aragorn, your Gothmog, your Bolg, or um, say a, a Thorin or something like that. I think having one of these characters in your list is, I'm not going to say mandatory, but highly recommended simply because putting the leader kill on them just really makes it difficult for your opponent to try and take points off you in a points match or just any game because a lot of those a lot of scenarios do involve a hero in some way, shape, or form. I think getting well, one big hero in there just just to put the points on to feel secure with those points. Problem with one big hero is most people will build into their list a way to deal with one big hero. So, so play defensive. Yeah, but then Be you're flexible. having to play defensive with your one big hero. I much prefer to take as Jeremy was saying, a couple of the mid-range guys, and then they can go in and there's the mutual support, almost, between several mid-range heroes working together. Can like Well, well it's, a, it's a matter of cost-benefit, isn't it? Because yes. you're saying, I want to take the one big thing and I want him to do a lot. Well, he might and not he do walks a lot. straight into Galadriel. Yeah. Whereas if you send three regular guys, one of them walks into Galadriel and the other two beat her up. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Uh, flipping the question, what about the, the type of heroes you can get away with not taking at all? Are there... Maybe wizards or maybe the Baragon level ones. What what one can you do without? I think you can do without wizards. I've played enough games now without magic to say you do not need magic in every list. You don't, but it's so much fun. Honestly, I, I think a lot of players learn a lot from... Actually, just players in general. You'll learn a lot from dumping the spellcaster in your list and taking a generic captain instead and learning how to play without spellcasters. Learn how to use might more effectively, I think, mm. is what that does. I'm going to be more specific. I'm going to say I can do without the shaman. I yeah. knew you were going to say that. Yeah, the shaman type. I, I find that a lot of people make it an auto-take and sometimes even double it up. I don't think that it's that necessary. I think it's sometimes very useful. I'll give it that. But I, I can do without it. I'll often take a captain instead. I want to take that one further and say the passive support hero in general. So we'll add into that Malbeth, the Shade, that sort of thing. Halbrad. Yeah. I'd almost say... Kyrian. Because it works on a point system, oh, there's the, almost hang on, nothing. Hang on. The god tier, Urkenbrand. Uh. <laughs> Prince Imrahil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those sort of heroes are exactly. I mean, Imrahil sort of and, and Urkenbrand are combining yeah, other types of stuff Im- as Imrahil's well. Imrahil's not yeah. just a support hero. That, he, yeah, that's he, exactly he, he is. He is a baseball bat to the face hero. He's yeah. everything to everyone. <laughs> At the all only thing times. you can't do is shoot. Everything else he does amazingly. He can't do shooting yet. Hey, yeah, we got some no- new rules coming in. Just wait for it. <laughs> He'll get his throwing lance. I look forward to seeing that. He hits on fours, right? Three? Yeah, no, probably man. threes. No, probably fours. threes. Unless he's got some training from Dwin here. Then it's threes. <laughs> With the monster killing ability on his throwing lance. Yeah. On, on monsters, actually, that would be the other thing I would say you don't necessarily need. And that's a monster hero. You don't need that really massive dude that just is strength eight and destroys everything. Or seven or eight, whatever. But uh, they're so yeah. fun. They're so yes. fun. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think it's a points-based system, so there's almost nothing in the game that you can say this is irreplaceable because if it's 150 points a wizard, you can take two, almost three captains in some lists for that. It's more of a case of what your particular build at the moment is because there's almost, there's almost nothing you can't say, no, I don't need that. 
I think the only thing that's completely irreplaceable is having models in your army. I don't know. I can think of one unit currently that you would never ever take in your list simply because it's terrible. Yeah, but I, that's a model. There's only that you one model. There's no. only I, one I, model. Not a model that you would always I, take. I, I am thinking. I have to hear this now. I'm Go thinking on. it's. You're, you're reading me. You're feeling me, Matt. You know yeah, no, exactly I'm, what I'm going to say. I'm, I We're going to say it on the same I'm time. Get, no, wait. No, I'm not there. Come on. I play Rohan Bowman all the time. Just that. This. <laughs> what he said. Yeah, all right. Rohan yeah, fair Berman. enough. Fair enough. Because Outright is the same points and then better. Yeah, but we're talking about irreplaceable, not you would never take. And when they say you would never take, it's it's if you want to get very slight advantage over it. it it's much of a muchness. Uh, so I think we answered that question. I think we've got it. So some of us, some different opinions, but having some, some generic mid to upper tier heroes are really useful. Spellcasters and very low heroes, not as useful, not as compulsory. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, that's about right. I don't know. I have yet to see a gondola list that that hasn't got Baragond in it. Just, yeah, just throwing that's, it out there. That's situational, though. That's a yeah. specific list. Just, just yeah. saying. But he's just not saying. essential. He's just downright useful. He's just really, really good. You can do without him. You don't. You, need can, him. you can definitely do without him. I think, but he turns up so often because people just they see it as a bargain. And it just generally it's the free full... warband for twenty five yeah. points. It's the it's the ca- it's so good. The captain didn't fit. What can we do? We can cut him in half. Okay, Baragond done. Anyway, Matt. Yeah, we'll move on to the next question. So, uh, Stephen, once again, this is his final question. He asks, in a normal tournament, as opposed to all the crazy tournaments that we normally do, will you be better off, I assume he means, taking a good or evil force, knowing you'll face both good and evil throughout the event? This, well, it's a, it's ooh, a, well, this is an well, interesting question. I'm, I'm going to need to read this yeah. because I did so, not get a word of any of that. No, that was very simple. So, the, the question was saying, he's going, going to a tournament where you don't just fight good versus evil, you play good versus good and evil versus evil as well. So you, you take the one force, you might get playing against anyone at the tournament. Should you take a good force or should you take an evil force? Which one gives you a better chance? Ah, okay. What will give you a better chance? I think statistically evil gives you maybe a 52% chance, so I would go for that. I, I would say all okay. things, all no, things I dis- being I disagree. even. I disagree. All things being even, evil can shoot into combat. Yes. No, no, I disagree. Simply for the fact of ring rafts. Well, ring I, I don't know about it's such Jeremy's. A I don't know about Jeremy's use of statistics there. I'm pretty sure that you can use statistics to prove anything, and 40 percent of all people know that. But I would agree. That's that wrong. Evil, you can use facts to prove anything. Yeah, facts. <laughs> you definitely can use facts to prove anything, and I'm going to use facts right now to prove that evil is slightly better. See, I told you, you've proved Slightly my point. Slightly better. I'm proving it right. I'm, I'm okay. All right, we'll believe in your point for a second, for just a second. All right, how are you going to prove this? We have the shooting into combat. We have the ring rates. But I think if we go back and look at which armies have actually been winning tournaments, I think we'll find it's a little bit more evil. Okay, so this I think year... That'll, I think oh. that will be the case. Let's run the numbers this year. Uh, Arcanicon. Does anyone remember back that far? No. No. Was it at Gondor? <laughs> Pretty sure Gondor had our. I, I see where year. David's going with this. Yeah, Gondor. David, you won all the tournaments this year. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> David wins all the clash, tournaments. Clash for us was good. So that's two for good. Okay. That was dwarves. Second was also dwarves. Yep. We're not counting second. Uh, Andrew Coleman won Masters with good. Rivendell Knights to be. All right. My, yeah, but they're, they're, my facts are all falling apart. They're right incredibly here. evil the way they play. Haradrum had Battle Hardened, didn't they? Did they? Yeah, I think Battle Hardened was Harad. All right, okay, so maybe, I won, maybe I won, um, some Tim's good did win a few uh, tournaments. I won Tim's tournament with Fiefdoms. Okay, who won Minimize? Tim. Tim won Minimize with Evil. 
Okay, Goblin so Town. We're up, we're up to like four to two. Yep. So, and I'm pretty sure that every other tournament in the country was won by evil. So, clearly evil are better. And there's the facts. That's all you need to when know. When you assume, you make an ass out yes, of you and true. me. Okay. We, we know it's been over a course of three years, though. And I think it's fairly well established that a lot of the better units are on the evil side. And a lot of the better armies are on the evil side. And I think, yeah, the ring rates. It really is the ring rates. Because that access to really cheap... Powerful no, that, magic. That was the reason why I said even wasn't as good. Because wasn't of, as good. Yeah, because ring wraith, ring wraith versus ring wraith. You knock both oh, of them out. Well, yeah, but that means you've taken out the enemy's yeah, ring wraith. It's, it's, it's a self, it's a self-destroying cycle. I'd rather have the ring wraith facing the enemy ring wraith than not having the no, ring wraith. No, I think it's way having enemy. my hundred and eighty point hero be nullified. No, it's way which I've had because. Done. Primarily what we're coming down to is what what is worse, good versus good armies or evil versus evil armies, which is harder to win with, to win against. And I think it's much easier to win a good on good than it is with an evil on evil. I think evil on evil is more But that makes related. the point that like, like one it's easier to win roll. evil on good though, by a fair margin. Not but, not with no, the, not with the God, new no. dra- not with the new sap will. No way, not not with the, especially with the nerfs to transfix. The, the new sap will, though, it benefits ring wraiths in an evil on evil yes. matchup. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it yeah. does. Yeah, because it makes it's it not so powerful. much more survivable. Like, you're taking two, three, four. You can literally not resist it and still survive. Go. You just say, oh, I don't resist the transfix. I was Fine. more referring Maybe to I'll... the shamans getting knocked out simply by one spell. Yeah, but I don't like shamans. Yeah. No one here plays shamans. No one uses shamans. Nobody in the world uses shamans. I think Who the fact we've had this much heated discussion, that means they're probably even. They're, yeah, that's a fair point. Like, we've got yeah. two on two. No. We've got two people saying good. We've got two people saying evil. I think they're probably pretty close. Let's stack this up. Evil can shoot into combat. Good has Knights of the White Tower. That's pretty pretty close to draw. Evil has dragons. All your points are invalid. Go evil. Team evil. I raise your dragon with the Windlands. No, yeah, yeah I've that's played the, the Windlands. On the good side. The Windlands is just amazing. I was more oh, doing it to check the to dragon. Down. Sure. I have to bow down and now agree. Good is better because okay. Windlands. You, you want me to bring out the big guns? I'll bring out the big guns. Please good do. has Urkenbrand. Oh, oh, low blow. <laughs> this is a fair point. Question uh, answered. Wait, is Alfred good or evil? <laughs> it's good. <laughs> He's a good model that's evil. Damn it, I'm making points against myself now. All right, hold on. Okay. Well, yeah, Taskmasters. You mentioned Taskmasters. They're amazing. You mentioned Taskmasters. Do you seriously want me to give you a check for Taskmasters? No, because there is none. Taskmasters are just the best. Okay, for the same points as the Taskmaster, you can get Alfred and Bombach. Mm, Not as much something. No, it's more flexible. Alfred just dies. He dies. He dies. He He just drops. Um. Take, take whatever you prefer and whatever you're better at because that's going to increase your chance of winning a lot more than, than trying to optimize the matchup. I don't think at this point there's, there's a, a significant advantage either way. Even if there is, I don't think that's going to make a big deal. The advantage is negligible. The voices of reason have spoken. So there we have it. Take whatever you like best. Now we have a question specifically for Jeremy. Yeah, that, I, this is why I stopped the other question. I was looking forward to this one. Yeah, here you go. How excited are you, Jeremy? For so 30? excited. 30 new scenarios. That's like more than I've got fingers to count them on. I am so excited. And toes. Yeah, and toes as well. Even if I put those in as well. Even if we get other body parts in, I can't get to that. So excited. So, so, so excited. 
Wait, so 30, is this 30 just flat new no. or is this like 30 reprints or 30, Th 30, 30 what? 30 new scenarios is my understanding of it. So considering every second scenario is Fog on the Burrow Downs, are we looking at 15 new <laughs> versions of yeah. Fog on I the Burrow Downs? I can't wait or? for 15 versions of Fog on the Burrow Downs. <laughs> that would be amazing. I love that scenario. We'll have 10 new Helms, Dave. <laughs> 15 Fog on the no, Burrow. No, we're talking about 30 scenarios from the Hobbit trilogy, I believe. Uh, okay, so Hobbit these, trilogy these all Hobbit. and post. Post Hobbit is the Lord of the Rings. Is the, Lord of the, Rings. <laughs> it, the, the bit between Lord of the Rings and Hobbit. Okay, right, right, right. What? We're having scenarios from that, are we? Apparently. Wonderful. All right. That That's some new ground. So like 30 that. new ones. Got yep. it. So you answer the question, I'm so excited. Like, I, I'm shocked about this news because I, I was somewhere somewhere in the negative part of my mind worried that when we, when we started that podcast, we used to talk about scenarios and the feedback we got was no one plays them. They're unbalanced. They're boring. Why would you do them? Points matches are the way to go. They cost too much money. No one likes the models you have to make. To, you've got all these negatives about them. And the general consensus was people thought it was unusual to play that. But what we've found since is with people, with the internet, we've found other scenario players. We're out there. It's We're the power, there. It's the power of mass media where, you know, slowly conditioning people to think of scenarios. Well, not just us. There's other people doing it and people are posting videos of scenarios. It's some fantastic ones. So... And I think I think what we've realized as a group is those scenarios are really fun. They tell yeah, the story. Yeah, the group from Norway did like the entire oh, journey guys. book. Yeah. It was great. Watched all those videos. Yeah, I enjoyed absolutely them. brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think to answer your question, so excited. Okay. No, I've, I've got one question for you, Jeremy, in relation it's to It's excited. This. Excited is the answer. Do you think Adam Troke is going to fulfill his promise of giving you a Gorgoroth Beast scenario? Of course he is. Why would he lie to me? He just said it wasn't his priority at the moment. So it's coming. Eventually. Eventually, yeah. All right, on to the next question. Levi asks, The Hobbit range is going to be looked at and tweaked for the big Hobbit book coming. Things made more balanced. What profiles from the Lord of the Rings range do you think deserve a second look for balancing? Points, cost, stats, special rules, etc. Can I do my quick rant? Please I, go I'm ahead. I'm just going to start rifling stuff up. Yep. <laughs> uh, Reavers. The Black Numenorians need tweaking. Outriders need tweaking. Urkenbrad needs tweaking. The Dwarf Rangers need tweaking. The, uh, what's going to call it from um, Arnor need tweaking. I can't remember the name. The Hero or the Warrior? No, Special Rule. Special oh. Rule. <laughs> the, the, on a Hero or needs, on a Warrior? That needs changing. Army Construction Rule? Yes, the army construction. Okay, the, yeah, I, I would like that to be a little Special bit. Special strikes need tweaking. Uh, monsters need to be reclarified with like the brutal power attacks. And Hurl stuff. in particular, yeah. Yeah, so those need to be changed. Uh, ring or not? Which ring? The stupid ring wraith needs a buff. The really crappy tainted one. Oh, the one I took. Yeah. Yeah. Dwimley uh, <laughs> definitely needs an F. Um, Special. Should have taken that guy. Blaze the dead need to become standardized across the entire range. Actually, a lot of stuff just needs to get standardized across the entire range. Now, what the listeners didn't get here, because we had to stop it at this point in time, this actual segment went on for another 20 minutes with all the <laughs> lists of all the things. But those are just the main ones we like to consider. So now that Kylie's finished talking about those, and if, if you want to find out full list in the full 20 minutes after, please send her an email or PM her about that. But David, Matt and I will now answer the question as well. I think we can summarize this as anyone who's wearing a magic hat or carrying a magic horn. So that guy who autocasts spells of death, we really need to do something about him. Uh, the horn of the Rittermark that costs either zero points or 25 or 15 or whatever it was. And the more useful it is, the less points it costs. Uh, that other horn that just gives you plus two courage. Pretty much, yeah. Any magic hat or magic horn, it needs a look. And at this point, 
David's list went on for another 10 minutes, so we had to cut his out as well. Matt? Balrog, King of the Dead, Lurtz, Wild Wild Chieftain. That's my list. <laughs> they were also on my list. They were not on your list. They I think... were on my extended list. Well, I did fall asleep towards the end of it. Okay. So, okay. I think... That's not my fault. That is your fault. <laughs> Needs a very strong word. I would like to see something like Shelob be usable for the scenario again because the... There's a few models that have ended up with buffs on buffs after the addition, so I'm hoping they just get pulled back in line. And then get indirect buffs to other buffs. Buffs from all directions. Indirect, direct. Underneath, above. They're the worst ones underneath. The the changes that I want is to make things that nobody uses usable and to make things that everybody uses not as good. And as soon as people start using them, I want you to make them not good. It should be a fluid movement. So as yeah. soon as someone uses it, it gets it gets worse. It actually should be, though. No, I mean, should, I know that's very hard to achieve, but it really should. We should establish a Wheel of Fortune. And it's got four positions on it, so every model has four different stats. And then each year, oh, the wheel not. clicks around one position. I can't believe I am about to say this, but I am about to say this. And I, I feel a little bit of vomit coming in my mouth. Basically, what you're saying is, Matt, you want a meta. Uh, I want a fluid meta. Yes. We have a meta. The meta is just the way that people play within the rules. That's all it really is. I know we've talked about this before and said, oh, we don't like that word and blah, blah, blah. But really, a, a meta is just a natural thing that occurs in any kind of strategy game. It's just a normal thing. I thought it was a geographic location because people talk about in the other game systems that I play, they go, oh, what do you do in your meta? And they, they talk about like my, my game store or my, my club or whatever. That's what they use it for. So I just assumed it was a geographic location. Yeah, and, and that means just specific players playing in that way in that area. So in, in different areas, people will play the game in a different way and a natural meta will occur. That, that's all it means. That's all it is. So look, what we want is some of the... We've mentioned these over and over again and, and Kylie's list was actually really good. It did, did point out a whole bunch of them. I'm pretty confident that a lot of them will get changed eventually. They might not change initially because we might get the Hobbit ones first, but I think there'll be a fair amount of changes. And look, we're going to find new ones that we don't like. And that's okay because they're not that bad. There's always going to be something that you'll take and people wonder, why are you taking that? It's not really good. And then you smash their face with it. The so worst one the is best the ones that you go... I remember Gullivar. That was fun. The, uh, the worst is when you take a model and you actually really like it and you're like, yeah, this is he's this is fine. Bard the Bowman's absolutely fine. There's no problem with Bard the Bowman. I like playing Bard the Bowman and the opponents go, I hate playing against Bard the Bowman. He's so broken. No, no, no. He's just winning me all the games. It doesn't mean he's broken. It's just my skill. <laughs> it's my skill. Are it's you like... implying something, Jeremy? Bard the Bowman's fine. The Windlands, on the other hand. <laughs> Windlands, new meta. All right, last question. Last question that I have written down here. We might come up with some more. I don't know. Mason asks, what are the best ways to utilize the Iron Hill Dwarves special defense rule? And what are the best allying options for them? So the best way to utilize this rule is to keep all of your Iron Hills Dwarves in base contact with each other. That way they will get the defense rule. So pretty much play how you normally would. Assuming, of course, you keep your dwarves in a formation. Which I think most people tend to do, don't they? Yes. If you yeah. don't, then get your dwarves into a formation and hold it. Good plan. I like it, David. Because that way you are defense 8 instead of defense 7. Because that's how the rule works. How, I... many, how many dwarves do we need in this formation? Three. Three. Okay, so even the guy who sits out on the corner of your shield wall, yep. he's still good? Mm-hmm. No, well, he will if, be, if no, he's got a spearman. If he's got one behind and one on the right. Yes, yeah, yeah, fine. Correct. If he's on his own, literally just, just holding up a flank, just he chilling. has to be touching both of them. So you need to make a triangle on the side of your mm-hmm. formation rather than a, a straight line. It's, it's going to be hard to tell, Mason. We don't, we've got these first rules. Keeping them together, it sounds really obvious, keeping them together, but we've, we've played a model similar to this in the King's Champion for quite a long time. 
And what I find when I'm playing against the King's Champion is that people have learned that it's actually not a bad idea to split one of the banners off. That they don't always need that maximum defense that they've, they've got a reason. And I have a feeling this will be the same in this army. There'll be times when you actually need to just split a dwarf off because defense 7 is not that bad. If you're playing against strength 4 across the board, do you need the defense 8? You don't. So there are times when you have to know, I'm going to go for the trap. I'm going to get, get my models surrounding it. And there's times when you need to bunker up and be a shield wall. And you get that through playing and trying out. But it's not going to be a go-to option all the time because it does limit. You've got 24 points of models, potentially or more, sitting in this little clump area, which is not always great. You're not going to be able to spread out the whole field. And the other army might be able to, to run around you the whole time. So whatever a shield wall does, it does better. Whatever shield wall doesn't do, it does even worse. Yeah, and I think they've kind of given them the uh, the rule with the ballista to actually kind of counteract that a bit and, and to make it much harder for your opponent to do much against that shield wall because it's going to be very difficult to shoot against it. If you're looking for hard counters, or maybe hard counters is a, is a strong word, but if you're looking for something to check them, any monster... Uh, using the barge brittle power attack will be very very useful and sorceress blasts are going to ruin their day so anything that would work against a shield wall will work against these guys yes but it will work more effective as you said yes so this sorceress is, blast is all just the strengths all the weaknesses just sort of stepped up a notch so what do you think would ally with them well do they have banners on you their want own? something no. you want something with maneuverability and something that can take advantage of the fact that they're going to anchor up a really solid so i'm thinking maybe dwarf rangers any any cab might be useful but honestly i think you're going to be spending so many points on the dwarves themselves because you're going to need a decent number of them i'm reckoning 20 to 24 to make them just usable going to run out of points pretty quick i've got an answer to this one initially when they've got treasure on their mind no one's going to ally them they're going to keep it all themselves but as soon as a larger threat comes along gundabad orcs and some being transported by some big snakes eating the earth once that happens I think good allies will be the men of Lake Town, the remains of Lake Town, and also the elves of Mirkwood through necessity. I think anyone who can bring a banner with them. Because we've got a super shield wall here with no banners. So This is true. They so, would appreciate a banner. So probably that's probably why they allied themselves with the elves, because they're like, uh, we forgot Aragorn to bring our banners Aragorn also would with us. go through them pretty quick as well. Mm. But Aragorn does that to most people. They're surprisingly comparable to the... Uh, to the what are they called? Vault Wardens, aren't they, really? Minus one yes. defense, but not as, you know, Except useless when they're their, isolated. They've got their stupid high defense from any direction because they all have spears. Yeah. Ah, they all have spears and shields. So yeah. no matter which way you charge this shield wall, you're going to be hitting a defense eight. Yeah, I'd argue they're considerably better, to be honest. Mm. And they do look pretty cool. They look fantastic. So basically, you're trading the point from the back for a point in every direction. You're standardizing this shield wall. All right, well, I think that's all our questions for now. So thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you uh, appreciate that the podcast is back. We're happy to be back. And uh, yeah, traps win games. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. Please be advised that the Green Dragon Podcast is not suitable for children, the elderly, pregnant women, those with a history of heart conditions, or anyone expecting to receive worthwhile advice. You can contact us on the Green Dragon Podcasts at gmail.com. Yes, it has an S at the end. Or our Facebook page, The Green Dragon Podcast. We do not claim ownership of any works based on J.R.R. Tolkien, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers, or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment. The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener. 
until we meet again.